Hi everyone, welcome back to another podcast. This is the Q&A. So I asked for some questions and I got quite a few. So I'm gonna go through, well, we'll see how many I get through. I'll probably do like five to 10 and see how we go. As always, if you enjoy this, please give me a rating, hopefully a good one. And if you wouldn't mind also sharing it on your social media or something like that, uh, I'd love it if you could tag me so I could say thank you. But we're gonna start with the first question. And so this question is, if someone prefers to eat more carbs in his or her diet after setting their protein, what should be the fat sources to get the minimum requirements uh, for any goal in general? So I think to start with, just to kind of frame this a little bit, we should probably talk about what those minimum requirements should be. When I set up a diet, if someone prefers eating more carbohydrate, then we set the protein intake usually somewhere between 1.6 grams per kilo of body weight and around two or 2.2 grams per kilo of body weight, somewhere in there in most situations. Uh, then we think about what's the minimum amount of fat we can get in. And I usually don't go below 0.5 grams of fat per kilo of body weight, which is, how much is that in pounds? Like 1.1, I think. Oh no, it's less. <clears throat> I should be dividing by 2.2, not multiplying by 2.2. So it'll be about 0.23 or something like that, grams per pound of body weight in terms of dietary fat. That's what I probably wouldn't go below unless I was doing it for a very short period of time for something like a competition prep for a bodybuilder. I'd say most people probably fall between about 0.6 grams of fat per kilo of body weight to about 1.0, somewhere in that region. You can go more than that if you want to, but that's where most people would fall. So what should the fat sources be to sort of hit those minimum requirements? I have a preference for unsaturated fats. And the reason why is just for cardiovascular health. So we know at this point that there is a relationship between the type of fat that you eat and the ratio of those types of fats and your blood lipids. And there is an effect of blood lipids on cardiovascular disease risk and that sort of thing. So we know from population-wide interventions that reducing saturated fatty acid intake is accompanied by a decline in cardiovascular disease. And so I think that it's a good general practice to just have, you know, minimized saturated fat intake. That doesn't mean we should eliminate it. It doesn't mean that saturated fat is bad. It just means that we should probably emphasize polyunsaturated fats and monounsaturated fats where we can. And so to that end, I prefer those types of fats if possible, which means we're mostly looking at fats from uh, plant and uh, marine sources. So like fish oils and, and things like that. Um, you can generally understand if a fat is predominantly unsaturated or saturated based on what form it takes at room temperature. Most saturated fats will be solid when they are sort of at room temperature or a little bit cooler. And most unsaturated fats will be liquid at room temperature or a little bit cooler. Trans fats should always be avoided in most cases, but they're not really a big factor unless you eat tons of really processed junk food. So we'll just kind of ignore those for now. Um, but as a general rule, I would say that around 10% or less of your overall calorie intake should come from saturated fat. So that gives you a little bit of an idea. Hope that is helpful. All right. So next question is in regards to meal timing. 
So the question is, I was just wondering if it's important to have both a pre and post workout meal and what the timing windows are. I train at 6 a.m. and sometimes struggle later in the day as I use so many calories up before mid-morning. Is this necessary and which of the two meals is a non-negotiable? Okay, so I think that to start with, this is probably quite a common issue and we should have some nutrition around our training. The reason why is because there is an increased reliance, I suppose, on fuel sources like carbohydrate if you're doing weight training. There's also a need to facilitate recovery. We have muscle damage happening. We have depletion of glycogen in the muscle fibers. We have a general disruption of homeostasis that we want to return to normal so we can start recovering and adapting and getting better. So with that in mind, we do want to have some nutrition around training. We have this increased sensitivity to incoming protein to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. So I think what you can do is you can either eat beforehand or afterwards because when you eat a meal, you don't absorb and digest all of it immediately. It takes time. There's a gastric emptying phase and there's an amount of time that it takes to actually break down, to secrete across the intestines, to enter the bloodstream and to be distributed to all the tissues that it's supposed to go to. So that means that we don't have to be like super stressed about getting in a meal if we've already eaten before training. If you were to eat a solid meal before training, train and then maybe eat again one or two hours later, like you're still having some of those amino acids and carbohydrates secreting across your intestines and being distributed for a couple of hours after you've eaten. On the other hand, if you're training at 6 a.m., I think eating a meal beforehand can often not be very appealing. And so I would say most people would probably prefer just to go to the gym, train on an empty stomach, and then your option is to eat afterwards. If you were training fasted, I'd recommend eating as soon as you can after finishing training. Um, but I think another option is just to have smaller meals. Like you don't necessarily have to have a large meal, couple of meals around training. You could, for example, have a, and this is what some of my clients do, um, a small amount of carbohydrate and a small amount of protein prior to your training. And that means that you can do your training and you can kind of not rush too much to get in food afterwards. You can maybe wait an hour or something. You can get home and shower and start getting ready for work or something like that. Uh, and then you can have another moderate sized meal. Uh, and that could take you through to, you know, mid-morning or lunchtime or something like that. So how that would look is maybe having like 20 grams of protein and 20 grams of carbs before your training. That should be enough just to get something in your bloodstream. You can then have a proper breakfast afterwards within like an hour of finishing training um, you know and then that's not using too many of your calories early on in the day before you get to your mid-morning meal or lunchtime. the other option then is to just train fasted and to just have a regular meal as soon as you can after training uh, and then obviously eat as normal throughout the day so yeah, I mean, in an ideal situation, we would probably sandwich the workout with meals. But if you're training first thing, that sort of becomes untenable. And it's not really going to make a huge difference for you if you follow the guidelines I just outlined there. The other thing I just want to mention while we're talking about meal timing is that I have mentioned before that eating more of your calories earlier in the day or in the first half of the day is probably preferable from a metabolic health perspective. So I can certainly understand that you're using up a lot of calories before mid-morning. Um, but, you know, ideally, we probably want to be eating about two thirds of our calories by the time we finish lunch anyway, instead of hoarding a whole bunch for dinner. But that's kind of an aside, <laughs> uh, but hopefully that was helpful to you as well.
Okay, our third question, when building or bulking up, is it better to gradually increase calories to minimize fat gain versus doing it faster? So I have a whole podcast episode on this uh, that you can go back and look at. I'm just going to look up the name of it because I can't even remember what I called it. I think it was something along the lines of how many calories do you need to burn to build muscle? So have a look at that. The answer is essentially that we want to make sure that we have enough nutrition around to build muscle, but we don't want to have so much around that we're gaining fat at an unsustainable rate or at a rate that's just too quick. The unfortunate reality is that you can't perfectly turn your extra nutrients coming in or your extra calories coming in 100% into muscle. It's not perfectly efficient. So that means that you're always going to gain some fat when you gain muscle as well. We obviously don't want that to be excessive. But there are quite a lot of components that we have to think about when we are determining the calorie surplus. Because if you increase the number of calories that you're eating, then you have a lot of things going on that that come into the energy balance equation. It costs more energy to digest more food. So that's going to eat up some of the extra surplus that you're adding in. It Potentially, if you're building muscle, means that that's obviously an energy intensive process. Uh, you might have a little bit more size to move around. So your basal metabolic rate will be up. Your total daily energy expenditure will be up. We often in overfeeding situations get an increase in subconscious movement, which can dissipate some of that surplus. And so if you provide yourself with like one or 200 calories as a surplus because you want to gain weight or, or gain muscle, but you don't want to gain too much fat, what you could actually find is that most or all of that surplus is kind of eaten up with these extra energy intensive processes and you don't have enough energy around to optimally build muscle at the fastest possible rate. So anyway, I explain all of that in a lot more detail in that other podcast episode. So definitely go back and have a look at that. I'll put the title of what it's actually called in the description. Uh, Next question, how do you recommend sugar fits into macros? You just want to minimize it. I think it kind of depends where that sugar is coming from in terms of the whole food source. So certainly if you just have a ton of sugar uh, by itself, which I I have to admit I'm pretty want to do because uh, in Sweden where I live, the candy is like, it's insane. It's really, really good. So I I have a big sweet tooth and I tend to eat a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, so having some sugar, of course, is is totally fine. You can fit it into your diet, uh, but you have to just kind of think about, okay, am I sort of displacing other nutrients by eating sugary foods? So let's just have a quick thought experiment. This is probably not going to be a realistic sort of situation, but let's say you had 100 grams of carbs that you could eat and you decided to eat like 50 of those grams from sugary foods that had no other real micronutrition. It was just like straight up jelly beans or something. Well, you could have spent those 50 grams of carbs on foods that also contained micronutrients and fiber and antioxidants and that kind of thing. And so, you know, if, if 50% of your, of your diet, let's, like, let's say like 50 grams out of your 100 grams of carbs is going towards sugary foods that don't have a lot of micronutrition, well, that's quite a big proportion of your carbohydrate. And ultimately, it means that you're probably missing out on some micronutrition that you really could have, could have had that is going to be more beneficial to your health. But in the same situation, if you're eating 50 grams of sugar and your overall carbohydrate intake was like 350 grams, and so 300 grams of your carbs is coming from 
whole grains and fruits and vegetables and that's that sort of thing then that's a completely different situation you're probably getting adequate micronutrition and antioxidants and phytonutrients and fiber and all this sort of stuff from your other carb intake so it really just depends on you know the types of foods that you're eating and how it fits into your overall diet certainly i don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with sugar but in those sorts of situations it can be you know less than healthy so i suppose just kind of use your best judgment with that what i tend to say for most people is look you know 10 percent of your calories just let that come from whatever the hell you want in your diet uh, whether it's alcohol or sugar sugary foods that aren't seen as healthy or whatever it is um yeah but otherwise use your best judgment with that okay next question is what are the biggest reasons people fail at four to six weeks into a diet phase well that's that's the million dollar question um <clears throat> Excuse me. Look, it it's going to vary depending on the person. But I, from my perspective, the number one thing is just not being realistic with what your your values are. Now, I have a podcast coming out next week where I talk a little bit more about determining what your intrinsic values are and setting goals based on that. But the fundamental idea is that people tend to have an external, extrinsically motivated goal like Okay, I want to lose five kilos because I want to, you know, look sexy uh, from other people's perspective or something like that. So there's this sort of social pressure involved and it's a it's an extrinsically motivated thing that doesn't speak at all to your values. If you sort of reinterpret what you're doing in the context of your values, your intrinsic values, it becomes much easier to come up with behaviors that make sense and speak to you and feel more satisfying to engage in than simply having this sort of extrinsically motivated factor for, for why you want to do what you're doing. Uh, and, and so that means that if you are sort of fitting it into your intrinsic values and, and just to kind of give an example of that, you know, you might say, okay, I want to lose five kilos in 12 weeks so that I, you know, look good on the beach. That's fine. But we can reinterpret that and think more about how it might be an intrinsic value to us by saying something like, I want to feel confident in my body. I really value that. And part of that means maintaining my weight. Okay. So that's a really different way of doing things. And if you can do that, then it means the behaviors that flow on from that and the plan that you generate from that becomes much easier to engage with and stick to. And it also means you're probably not going to engage in things that are completely unsustainable. Um, so I suppose the biggest reasons people fail is because they don't go through that process of really matching their intrinsic values to the behaviors that they need to engage in to match those intrinsic values. Um, that's the biggest thing, really. And I suppose that then comes down to how feasible the actual diet setup is, how it fits into your life, the structure and all that sort of thing. Um, you know, a reliance on, on willpower and motivation is a really, really bad way to diet because it does work for the first sort of two to four to six weeks. And after that, it's very unsustainable. So that would be my general answer. Certainly keep an ear out for the next podcast if you are interested a little bit more in that. Okay, next question. Uh, can you talk me through how to brace your core for lifts? When I tense my abs for certain exercises, it feels like my lower back is hurting and I find the lift harder. This happens with deadlifts. Uh, okay, so look, the main thing I would recommend is learning how to position the ribs and the hips correctly and then using the valsalva maneuver. Now, there's a 
really good video on this that's going to explain it very well from my friends at Melbourne Strength Culture. So I'm going to leave the link to that in the description below and you can check that out and see if that helps you. Um, so I think I, that'll just do a better job than I can doing it over audio. So definitely have a look at that. Okay, I think I'm coming up on time pretty soon. So I'm going to do one more question. You can probably hear those kids screaming in the background as well. If going highly over on calories in a building phase for a couple of days and your body's feeling terrible, what would you do? Would you cut back for a few days? Uh, okay, so <laughs> my first question, I guess, is why you're going highly over on calories in a building phase because you should have plenty of calories around and uh, you probably don't need to be going over. But I do understand that sometimes, you know, you have one of those days, like maybe you, you eat out or you're on holiday or something like that and you go over quite a lot. If your body's feeling terrible, what would you do? I'd get straight back on my plan, no matter what. That's what I would do. Your calorie surplus in a building phase, again, if you listen to that previous podcast about how much of a surplus you need to build muscle, um, if you listen to that, the recommendations I have are certainly that the, the surplus should be like a solid sort of 350 to 450 calories or somewhere in that region. But that's shouldn't be so much that you feel absolutely horrible eating that for a reasonable amount of time. Um, Whenever there's a sort of, you don't feel so good from how you've been eating, whether that is like a binge sort of situation or whatever it is, I think the best situation is always just to get back on your plan um, because otherwise you can get into these weird, weird cycles of compensation. And ultimately, I think getting back into structure and getting back on plan uh, as soon as you can is a very, very helpful psychological tool. So that's my... Uh, response, I guess, is, um, you know, you obviously want to eat some some quality foods, some nutritious foods, that kind of thing. But getting back into structure and routine as soon as possible and being consistent with that is generally the best way to go about things. Certainly, I think cutting back a little bit can introduce some, um, you know, like it, it just gets you out of routine and off plan for longer, if that makes sense. For some people, it can induce some, like I said, some weird compensation cycles. It's certainly not like necessarily a bad thing and it's not going to be like, oh, you're going to ruin your relationship with food if you compensate. Like that's just not true with a lot of people, with most people. Um, but nonetheless, I do think that having the routine, the, stru the structure, getting back into that is, is super, super important and uh, probably the best way to do things. All right. I hope you've enjoyed this little q and I'm going to do two things. So firstly, I will link to some other stuff that I've spoken about in this episode below. The second thing is that I will do another one of these because there are plenty of questions left. So the third thing I'll do is I'll add the form for asking questions below. And if you have any questions you'd like to ask me, please put them in there. Um, I mentioned that this can be fitness questions or non-fitness questions. I think it might be a bit fun to answer some non-fitness ones every now and then as well. So please feel free to do that. And I think that's it. Thanks a ton for listening and I'll catch you in the next one.